This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Welcome to the Hero Academy Podcast, the place where we can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. I believe that frontline heroes such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those who have chosen to serve society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here you will learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their passion. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing. Things you can do to make extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you will learn from people like you who are working full time, but still found time to create a course, grow a big team or a large audience or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories and how they overcame burnout. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. I'm your host, David Diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. Hello, friends and family, and welcome. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. If you're a frontline hero, police, fire, EMS, military, or medical professional, then you are in the right place, and this show is for you. This week, I'd like to introduce you to our guest, Tony McNeil, for episode number 13. He is the host of the Off-Duty Podcast and the creator of the Everyday Heroes Network. My man, Anthony McNeil, I reached out to you because I saw a sarcasm and caffeine, caffeine and sarcasm, something Mm -hmm. like that. Yep. I saw his podcast. I scrolled all the way down to the bottom and somehow I saw the network. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, wow, he's part of a network. I'm like, <laughs> this is the network that I want to be a part of. I'm like, this is this is the one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So then I spoke to you on the phone and just your vision for the network. I'm gonna let you tell it. I'm not gonna tell it, but just your vision. It spoke to my it spoke to me, it spoke to my heart and who who I am. And yeah. uh, we have a similar soul, man, that entrepreneurial soul. And we also have that that heart of service, you know, because yeah. we're both in law enforcement. Tell the audience for those that don't know you a little bit about your story. Oh, man. You know, I'm the oldest of three. I live here in Michigan. My entire life, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That's all I knew. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. My uncles were entrepreneurs. And so it was just a part of me. I knew when I grew up, I wanted to own a business. I just didn't know what kind of business it was or how I was going to even get it started, you know. But along the way, I tried many different things, uh, T-shirt businesses and every you name it, I've tried it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do any network marketing? Yep. That was actually actually my first introduction was uh, Amway, you know. Me too. 18 years old. Yep, into the whole entrepreneurial space. And um, that was my first introduction, you know. And obviously, we know how that ended up. But 
but yeah, it, it, it continued the bug, man. And uh, from there, you know, like I said, I just kept kept pursuing, kept pursuing di- different things. And once I actually got into police work, which you know, I'll, I'll tell that that story is a whole nother. Uh, hey, man, we got time. Interesting let's hear point. It. So, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> well, when I got into police work, I never wanted to be the police. That was uh-huh. something that had never crossed my mind. I, like I said, I always wanted to own a business, and I had just returned home from college after a year of college. I had tore my knee, my knee up playing football, and I was kind of in limbo as to what I was going to do. And I went back to work at the restaurant that I used to work at in high school and before I left for school and everything. And I'm standing up front one day and the then new chief of police comes in. He's making his rounds and introducing himself to all the business owners. And I just happened to be standing up front and we got to talking and he was the first black chief, you know, the city had ever had. And he asked me, he goes, have you ever thought about being a cop? And when he said that, right away in my mind, I started thinking, that's how I can get the money I need to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he says, we have this cadet program, you know, you have to test for it and apply and all that stuff. And I did that and I ended up finishing number three on the list. And six months later, I was in the academy and I end up, I was with the department from, that was in 92. I left the department in 1995. Because once I got the money built up and I had found the business that I wanted to purchase, which was a janitorial franchise, I ended up leaving the department to start the business. And I was gone for 14 months, approximately 14, 15 months. And the business was up and running and it was doing good. And my chief called me and asked me if I wanted to come back to work. And I was like, yeah, you know, because I, I really did enjoy police work once I got into it. So you know, I went back to work and the wife and I, we continued to do the business and I was working midnights. And before I would go into work, you know, we would go clean our accounts and 26 years later, we still got the business. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I retired from the police department in 2013. So business is still going. The beauty of, about a uh, cleaning business is you can scale it up to you know, as many accounts as you can handle. It's just about finding good employees, right? That's the key right That's there. The key. That is the key. And that is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had built our business up to the point where we were doing roughly $25,000, $30,000 a month at one point. It took a toll on us. I mean, we were almost yep. at the point of divorce. Yep. And trying to deal with employees and that whole headache, it just wasn't worth it. You know, so we scaled it back down to a, a a manageable size, and like I said, we've been happy ever since. So, no complaints. I mean, it, it's done a lot for us. You know that we never would have financially. You know, it, it's helped us achieve a lot of the dreams that we wanted to achieve. So, all the headaches was worth it. That's a beautiful story, man. What were you doing before you started working in the PD? Like, how how old were you when you started? I was twenty seven. Okay, yeah, so I, what were you um, doing before that? I was a cook in a restaurant. Yeah, I went away to school for a year. I played college football for a year to, at a junior college. And I ended up tearing my knee up. And I didn't go back to school the following year because, like I said, I wanted to start a business. I just didn't know what it was going to be or how I was going to do it. And I ended up staying up at that restaurant until that day the chief came in. And that was probably four or five years later, you know. And like I said, I was 27 when I started. and. At the chief night, it's just funny how everything just works out because for me to be standing in that spot at that moment when he walked through the doors, 
You know, had I been in the back, none of that would have happened, you know? So now what was his purpose there? Was he just like meeting some of the business owners? Is that what he was doing? Or was he like, he wasn't actively recruiting because I'm sure you got a recruitment unit. No, yeah, he he was brand new to the city and he was just going around introducing himself to all the different business owners. That's all. Wow. And like I say, it was just a it was in between lunch and dinner. And I just happened to be standing there when he walked in. I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason anyway. So I was just gonna say that you were meant <laughs> you were meant to be there at that moment, at that moment in time. You were meant to be there. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that too. Yeah, yeah. It's something I've always lived by that. Everything good, bad, or otherwise that happens to us happens for a reason. Yeah, some things are a lesson, some things are a blessing, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You have any crazy PD stories, like uh, funny stories that you can remember? Oh, man, I got all kinds of stories. Uh, <laughs> this is a crazy story. I won't call it a funny story because it involved a shooting that I was in. But one night, like I say, I worked midnights for a good portion of my career. And one night I was working and a call comes out over the radio. A sergeant puts out that he just had a couple pull up next to him, said a car was shooting at him on the freeway and the car Mm -hmm. is now behind him. Well, I was about a mile and a half away. By the time I get there, the sergeant in another vehicle has the suspect car stopped and they were doing a trying to execute a felony stop, which I can tell that the guy had his foot on the brake. So I knew he was going to take off. And as I'm approaching, he Sure enough, he takes off. So we get in a pursuit and I'm the primary car in the pursuit. And the funny thing about it, it had just finished raining. So we were going roughly 80 miles an hour during the pursuit. And so we were kicking up a lot of rain. So all the other patrol cars had to fall back because they couldn't see. And the chase probably would about two and a half, three miles. And for whatever reason, the suspect has dropped down from 80 to 40. And when he did that, it allowed me to use pit maneuver and I end up pitting his car spun out. My car end up veering off and I hit the curb and my car died right across from his. And as I'm sitting in the car, I could hear his engine revving and I knew he was going to ram me. So he comes off the median. I jumped out of the car and I opened up and I put two through the windshield and one through the, because when the first one hit the windshield, he started to turn to go northbound in the southbound um, lanes of traffic. And I put one through the windshield and two through the door and the two through the door end up hitting him. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. He ended up continuing to travel northbound in the southbound lanes of traffic. And by that time, the other patrol cars was coming at us and he turned into a shopping center parking lot and they just played ping pong with him from there. And (laughs) they end up ramming him into a light pole and they're dragging him out of the car and they're telling, he's screaming, I've been shot. I've been shot. And they're like, bullshit. Nobody shot you. <laughs> they didn't know I had shot, you know. Yeah. So yeah, but it was funny because when we went to court, he still had the bullets in him, and his attorney was trying to peg me as being gun hole and having tunnel vision and all this other stuff. And of course, of course. Yeah. And I, you know, and I I told him he's, you know, he's like, you put so many people in danger. Now, mind, it was three o'clock in the morning, there was nobody out. But he was like, you put other people in danger. And the way we got around that whole thing was, I told him, I said, no, I didn't have tunnel vision. So I can remember every single moment of that pursuit. As a matter of fact, there's a mobile station at Civic Center and Telegraph. There was three people in the parking lot. I can tell you what each one of them had on. <laughs> and he goes, really? You know, and he they go back and they pull the camera from that gas station. And that was the end of that argument. <laughs> you know, so... 
Yeah, but as that, like I say, I got so many stories, man. I could go on and on with the stories, but that's that a was, crazy story. Yeah, yeah, that's a wild, wild, crazy story. Thank God I've never been involved in a shooting. I chased a guy who had a gun in his hand who just did a robbery once, but yeah, I told him to drop it and he dropped it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that easily could have been my shooting story. And I'm glad that it didn't turn out that way, you know? Yeah. Um, now, you know, I, the guy that he lived, you know, thank God for that. Yeah. And so did the victims that he was trying to, trying to, he was shooting that, you know, not, neither of them were, were hit. So it all turned out good. Yeah, I think what a lot of people don't understand is that nobody wants to go to work and get involved in a shooting. Right. You just want to get through your day. <laughs> exactly. You just want to get through your day. It's so much of a headache if you have to shoot somebody. Yeah. It's like, why? I, I saw this video, I think it was an Atlanta cop. He's like, why you make me do this? You know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, just the mental aspect of it, what it does to your psyche, you know, yep. and all yep. the what if that runs through your mind when something like that happens. And, you know, like I said, thank goodness that all of us, including him, you know, we all made it out alive. I don't know if you've ever experienced it after uh, something traumatic like that, but uh, the next, like I had a couple of foot pursuits and then the next couple of car stops, I felt the adrenaline running through my legs, like mm -hmm. almost like my legs were like trembling, but it was the adrenaline running through them. And I was just like, all right, you just got to get through this. You know, you got to get over this feeling and eventually it went away. But I remember walking up to cars and it could be like, it could be like somebody's mom, you know, and, and I would just like before I walked up to the car, I would feel that little bit of tremble because mm -hmm. like the week before the day before I had gotten into a foot pursuit, you know? Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've ever experienced that feeling. Yeah. You know, it's like you say, it's hard to explain those types of things to people that have never experienced it before. But there was one time in my career I can say I was actually afraid and it was a car that I had pulled up on. It was me and my partner. We got a call of suspicious vehicle and we both, something just felt off. Yep. We couldn't pinpoint what it was, but something just did not feel right. And like that feeling you just explained, that is what took over, you know? And it turns out that we were right because these three guys, they were hitting me in there to kill somebody. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was drug related guy yep. who was supposed to be a witness against somebody that they work for. And, but yeah, man, it's, it's just something that that feeling comes over you and it's just like, ugh, it just kind of, it heightens your senses for, for sure. You know? Yeah. You have some bad areas where you work too. You like, you have some, like people call some areas bad, but you have, there's levels, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's levels to, to bad areas, you know, like, I thank God that you made it out alive, you know, and that uh, you made it out safe and that your family still has you around because now I could be a part of your network. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We're glad to have you on the network, man. Uh, what do your days look like now? Like, give me a typical, you wake up, what's your day look like? Honestly, man, I'm up usually about five o'clock in the morning and from five up until pretty much probably two o'clock, I'm on the computer or on the phone. You know, two in the either, morning? No, no, no. Two in the afternoon. Oh. And yeah, two in the afternoon. I'm up, I'm on the phone or on a computer editing, recording, doing something, you know, doing an outline for an upcoming episode, something on there. Then from two, I'm out the door to go and oversee my um, janitorial business. And I'm, you know, spend four or five hours there. Then I'm back home and just enjoying, you know, some time with the wife, watching TV or something, eating dinner and 
hit the bed and then back up and do it all over again. You know, you but just we, celebrated we, an anniversary, right? Uh, back in February. Yeah. Oh, back, back in February. February. Yeah. 28 years. 28 years. God bless, man. That's yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. We're actually leaving in, I think it's two weeks to go to Aruba, which is where we actually went for our honeymoon. And this will be the first time we've had a chance to go back. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be an amazing trip. Yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. How long are you staying there? Uh, just for a week. Just for a week? Okay. Yeah. Just right, for that's a week. like that's, the that's perfect. Plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the perfect amount of time. Anything more than that, and it starts to become a little bit too long of a trip. Oh, yeah. 100% agree. I, I think the longest trip we've taken was like eight or nine days. And even that extra couple of days was a lot. You know, yeah. especially once you've seen and done everything, then it's yep. just like, okay, okay, where you go in the world? There's no place like home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you go really far, like I went to Japan, I went to the Philippines, I spent nine days in Japan and those days went like super quick. Okay. I spent uh, 12 days in, in the Philippines and that trip felt like the last few days I was like, all right, I'm ready to go home, you know? Yeah. 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 Like I said, you can go to paradise, man. I'll, and if, you, if you're there too long, you know, you're just ready to get out of there and go back home. Yeah. You're yeah. ready to, you're ready to open your own refrigerator and yep. you know, sleep in your own bed. Yeah, for sure. What's the things that you're most passionate about now? Oh, 100% podcasting. Podcasting. Yeah. 100%. You know, I started this in February of, of 2020 and been learning trying to, I won't say perfect because that'll never happen, but just trying to learn as much as I can and grow it to become a, a business. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the final goal to get it to the point where it's a business. And you know, we're slowly on that road now and some things are happening, but it's like everything else. It takes time. You know, I first had to learn podcasting, you know, before I can even think about turn it into a business or anything like that. And now I feel like I've learned quite a bit and I still have an awful lot to learn, but it's a process, but we'll get there. I'm not worried about it. I enjoy learning and I enjoy improving on something each week. I'm like, okay, I know what I need to improve. Like I'm Mm -hmm. looking at your setup right now and I'm like, (laughs) I've known that I've, I've needed some kind of something in my background for a while because I had planned on doing videos but right now I'm focused on the audio, getting the audio better. And then I'll start focusing on the visuals, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm also focused on getting good guests too. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I learned, you know, the audio is the most important part because it is a podcast. Yep. You know, if people can't stand the audio, they're not going to listen, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that, that has to be on point. What's the biggest challenge of being a podcaster that people outside think is easy. This is going to sound funny, but I would say the talking part. And the reason why I say that is because people think you just get on the microphone and you just start talking. And when I first started that, that's what I thought. But the more I've studied and the more I've learned about this industry, I realized that's not the case. You have to keep an energy up. You have to be engaging. You have to entertain I mean, depending on the type of podcast you're doing, I mean, if you know, if you're doing some type of medical or true crime where you're just describing someone, you know, right. obviously been killed or something then. But even with that, you still have to make the story entertaining to keep people engaged, to keep them listening. And the format of my podcast has changed since I've started it. And that's because I've gone from just a conversation to 
a show. And I'm seeing that the difference in the outcome has been more listeners and more mm. reviews and more downloads as a result of that and the feedback that I've been getting. Because people don't want to just hear, at least in my experience, I've learned that people don't want to just hear someone on the microphone just talking, just having a conversation about anything and everything, which is what I used to do when I started. You know, So I had to learn that there's a format to all of this. And I had to learn to put that format. I had to learn to take that format and match it to what I wanted to do. Yeah. So what was your first format of your podcast? It was just straight up just having conversations with people? Yeah, I think I had maybe four or five questions that I wrote down, you know, and from there, you know, I w- it was just kind of stumbling over what I wanted to say and and not really paying attention to the guests as they were speaking because I was thinking of my next question, uh-huh. you know, and with my format, by putting together a format, I already know the direction I want to go when I, when I interview someone. So I, I know I, now I can focus on them and it makes for better follow-up questions, you know, because now my attention is I'm listening to what they have to say, as opposed to looking at my notes or something like that. And that allows me to ask better follow-up questions, which is something in the beginning I didn't do, you know, cause I would go back and listen to an episode and I would say to myself, man, why didn't you ask him this when he or she said that? And that's because I wasn't paying attention the way I should have uh-huh. been because I'm looking at my notes or thinking of another question that I could ask. And I end up missing something that was even more important or a better subject than what I was thinking about. So, right. Yeah. I, I look back on old episodes and I realized that I was so focused on getting my next question out that I missed something important that they said. And I was like, oh, we could have definitely expanded on that and it would have been a much better episode. You know, you just, you learn as you go along, you know, like I, I said to you earlier, you build the plane as you fly it, you know, that's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as long as you have a growth mindset, you'll be all right. You know, as long as you don't have that fixed, that fixed mindset, just switching gears a little bit. How did you, um, decide on the podcast network and how did you decide to build that? What made you decide to build that? Man, it's funny how that came about because once I got to a point where I felt like my show was, it had the ability to become a a bigger podcast. I started looking at other ways that I could monetize it and, and grow it. And the more I got into podcasting, one thing that I noticed was that a lot of the bigger podcasters that I listened to, like Earn Your Leisure and and some of the other podcasts that are out there, Joe Budden, they were all putting together networks. And I started looking to see, you know, what networks there were that were out there for first responders and law enforcement. And there wasn't any. You know, the closest thing I found was a, a website where the guy just had a bunch of links to a bunch of different podcasts in the first responder niche. Yep. So I started saying, man, okay, here's an opportunity. And I just started researching and trying to learn everything I can about starting a, a podcast network. And I, and I ended up joining a Facebook group. And in that group, I met a gentleman from Cleveland who has a very huge network in the sports niche. And he and I, we connected and he kind of became my mentor and helped me walk through the process. And from there, you know, I, I just started reaching out to different shows that I enjoyed you know, and ask them to take part in the network. And now we're up to I think your show now makes, 
can't, I never get remember the numbers either eight <laughs> or nine or seven to eight, but <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're seven to nine shows deep right now. So yeah, that's great. And the name of the network, the everyday heroes podcast network, the everyday heroes podcast network. When I heard the name, I was like, Oh, that's my network. I know what it's about. <laughs> so I was a little nervous when I reached out because I knew I was young in the game and I'm like, man, I know I'm early. I even wrote that in my email. I said, I know yeah. I'm early in this game, but uh, I'm like, listen, man, I'm dedicated to this. And I know that this is the network for me. And just the conversation we had when you were telling me about the direction that you wanted to take the network. Uh, do you mind telling the listeners like what you plant, some of your plan? I know some of the stuff is super secret, mm-hmm. top secret plans, <laughs> but uh, just the general overall direction that you want to go with the network other than just networking yeah well the network itself the by phrase as i call it is the network for first responders and those that support us so the network can consist of law enforcement medical which includes emt nurses doctors military firefighters pretty much every first responder and the goal with the network is to bring all these shows together so that we can have a network of shows and put in resource and combine all of our resources, our downloads, our social media platforms, all of those numbers together to bring on sponsors, you know, and that's, that's the bottom. That's the ultimate goal to bring sponsors in and help all of us that's putting in all these work, making these podcasts some money. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the bottom line. What the big picture is with the, with, with the network. You know, and I I think we'll get there. You know, I'm in talks right now with a couple of sponsors. They see the potential of the network and their audience aligns with the network. So we're still trying to work some things out, but, you know, I I think we'll get there. I love it. I love the vision. And after our conversation, you, you got me thinking about sponsors and like started to go after some sponsors, you know. I started thinking in that direction. That was the overall goal, you know, a little further down the line. But then I realized, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can add some value to the network by bringing a sponsor to the network. Because maybe my show might be a little too junior for a sponsor, but they might like someone else in the network. And I brought value to the network by bringing that sponsor on. So, you know, you just... Just our conversation, it kind of expanded my vision for the whole world and the whole thing of sponsorship, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that was the thing. When I started the network, I didn't want huge shows because it wouldn't be fair to have this one big, huge show. And then you have all these other shows that aren't at that level yet. And you bring on the sponsor and this show is the one that's producing all of the all right. the downloads. But, you know, they're splitting the money with everybody else. So I wanted shows that were kind of in the same arena and it, it just made us a more level playing field for everybody. Collaboration is definitely better than competition. And yes, uh, sir. when you collaborate, man, and you network with uh, your network equals your net worth. You know, I love that saying. Yep. And, and I believe it wholeheartedly, you know, do you have any advice for people that may want to start their own podcast? Be prepared to work. If you're serious about it, be prepared to work because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time learn as much as you can. And like we said earlier, it's a podcast. So your most important thing is your content and your audio quality. Because if those two things aren't there, your podcast isn't going to last. 
It's as simple as that. And it's funny because I was listening to Dave Jackson, who's very big in the podcasting industry. I was listening to his podcast the other day and he had the, he had posed a question about, do you feel that you, your podcast is not blown up yet because you're not a celebrity? And he went back and he brought on a, a, a guest who worked at Podcast One that works with all these big celebrity podcasts. And he was talking about the number of celebrities that have tried to start podcasts, but have failed because they thought just because of their name, they could come in and like everything else, just have everything handed to them. You yep. know, but they didn't realize the work that was involved and like Paris Hilton show and Kathleen Gifford. I forgot the other people that he named. There was like four or five people that he named that are no longer doing the podcast because they didn't realize what all it entailed and, and the work that it takes. No, there's you a know? lot of work involved and you got to be dedicated to it. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. You got to know, you got to know that this is your lane, you yep. know? Yep. And that's the other thing, you know, pick a lane and stay in it. Don't try to be everything to everybody you know, and try to separate yourself. And that's what makes my podcast different from all the other law enforcement podcasts out there is that I focus on the people. I don't get into politics and tactics and, and all of that stuff. For me, it's all about the people and getting to learn the men about the men and women behind the badge on a personal level. And there's not many podcasts out there that do that in this niche. You know, as a matter so of your fact, podcast is called the off duty podcast. Yes, sir. The off duty podcast. And uh, the purpose is to humanize the person behind the badge. Yep. Yep. It's all about the men and the women. And it's funny because I have my show broken up into four segments. And the one segment that everybody really loves is the what I call Dig Deeper. And basically what that is, is where I go through the guest social media and I'll pull out four or five posts and I'll craft questions around those posts. And everyone at the end of the interview always, man, that was fun. You know, because it's, it's, it's not like any other podcast that they've been on where, you know, where they're talking politics and, and policies and all that stuff, yep. you know, yep. so people enjoy it. It's entertaining. It's lighthearted. And we get into, you know, we touch on those other subjects from time to time, but that's not the focus. And, and lately I've been trying to bring more awareness to the whole mental health side of law enforcement, which is something that I've really been trying to learn more about myself this last couple of months. But that's about as serious as I get on the show. You know, I, I want it to be lighthearted. I want it to be entertaining. And I just try to keep it that way. Do you have any advice for people that may want to become cops now? Like they're in their 20s right now and they're, they're considering a career in law enforcement? <laughs> oh, yeah. The most important advice I could give someone in that position is remember that police work is what you do. Don't allow it to become who you are. Mm. And I think that's what helped me through my career. It was a job to me. It was a fun job. I loved it. what I did. I gave it my all, but it was still a job. It did not define who Tony McNeil is. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of guys and women that get into the profession, they allow the profession to dictate who they are and everything in their lives surrounds police work. Yep. And I think you have to have that outside set of friends. You have to have those outside interests. You have to have a balance because if it's all just police, 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 you're going to end up getting stressed out. You're going to end up divorced. You're going to end up an alcoholic. You're going to end up all types of bad things. So my advice would be simply remember that it's a job. It's a, it can be a fun job. It's a, it's a hell of a profession. 
but it's still a job at the end of the day. Don't let that define who you are as a person. I've always hated when I walked into a room of friends and like there were people there that I didn't know and they introduced me as the cop and I'd be like, yeah. listen, that's, that's my job. That's what I right. do. But I'm not, a, I'm not a cop. I'm not a cop right now. Right. <laughs> I'm not working. I'm not in uniform. You know what I'm saying? And every cop hates that, you know? Yeah. Because exactly. it's like, uh, and my girlfriend, she would bust my chops and call me a narc. You know, like I never worked in narcotics before. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Outside of work, you have a small group of friends. What's something that they only that small group knows about you that you're going to tell the world right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think and people always, when, they, when I tell them this, people are surprised to hear it. But I'm a huge NASCAR fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big NASCAR fan. And when people hear that, they're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been a huge NASCAR fan for probably 35, 40 years. Hey, man, no judgment here. To each, his, <laughs> to, to each his own, to each his own. Your top five, dead or alive, who would you love to have a conversation with or mastermind with? Who's on your uh, greatest of all time list? Oh, man, Um I will say number one, and it's probably the only person that I really would call my idol, that would be Walter Payton. Okay. Um, he would be number one. Gary V, Gary Vanderchuk, Elon Musk, Malcolm X. And the last one would probably be Bob Johnson, the founder of BET. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that would... I, I was going to say, out of that list, Gary V is probably the most accessible. Like, mm -hmm we could probably find a way to make that happen at some point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause he, yeah. he does respond. Like if you sent him a video, I, like if I even sent him that video clip, he does respond to people, you know, okay. he finds, he finds the way he finds a way to respond to people. So, and also paying your way in. Like if you went to one of his workshops or something, you got like a VIP ticket, you probably yeah. could have a conversation with him. You know, yeah, I don't know I'm how sure. much his VIP tickets cost, but <laughs> I'm sure they're not cheap. <laughs> I'm sure they're not cheap, but cause everybody wants to get their five minutes with him, you know? Yeah. Who wouldn't, you know? I mean, if you're in that space, you most definitely would love those, get those five minutes, you know? Uh, one of my mentors that I just, I love to hear him speak. I love to go watch him is Les Brown. And I'm okay. going to see him in uh, New York City in Queens in August. Yeah, and I've Les seen, is I've one seen, of the OGs. Yeah, and I've seen, him, <laughs> I've seen him speak numerous times live. And I just love being in the same room with him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Les, Les is, like I say, he's one of the OGs in the inspiration area, man. And uh, I've heard him speak probably two or three times. Also, and like you said, he just knows his stuff, man, and he, he gets you going. Yeah, he's going. And he's entertaining. <laughs> and he's super entertaining, yes. Yeah. That's why he's one of the top three in the world of uh, motivational speakers, you know. He's going on a little bit of a, uh, I don't know how much of a world tour, but a little bit of a U.S. tour. Okay. He announced it on his Facebook, so uh, I'm telling everybody about it. Like, all the East Coast shows, I'll probably drive to and go see him. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm gonna have to jump on his Facebook and check it out. Yeah, yeah, get on his list because um, he'll probably be somewhere around you at some point. I'm sure. You know, in the, in the next couple of months, if you could have your own Netflix show, what would that be? It would be geared towards some type of entrepreneurship. You know, it would definitely be around something to do with businesses, <laughs> interviewing people. You know, 
that have success stories, something in that in that arena. Uh huh. That that's one hundred percent. That's what it would be. All right, I like it. And if you could give yourself your eighteen year old self some advice, three pieces of advice. What would you tell yourself? Number one, trust yourself. What I mean by that is, if you have something that you're looking to do, trust that you have the ability to get it done, and just go do it, as Nike would say. Uh (laughs) Um, the other things will probably be learn how to handle money because for me growing up you know my parents didn't have a lot of money and they never really money was not a subject that we really talked about you know how to handle money and how to invest money and things like that as a matter of fact we never talked about it you know so that would be something that i would definitely tell 18 year old me and the last thing would be just know that you're good enough you know i remember there was a point when i was 18 you know, I had my self-esteem issues, wondering, you know, what was ahead? What was I going to do? You know, was I able to accomplish all these things I had running around in my head? And the self-doubt started to creep in. And, you know, when you're trying to find your way, you know, you have that for some of that lack of confidence, you know, so I would say, you know, just know that you're good enough and that you can achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. That's good. And if you had all the money in the world, if you had Bezos money, right? (laughs) And your family's taken care of, what would you spend that money on? Helping others would probably be the first thing. But outside of that, man, I play every golf course that I've ever dreamed of playing. (laughs) Starting with Augusta. That's how you would spend your time. That's how you would spend your time. I'm going to spend my money because it's going to cost me a lot of money. (laughs) It's going to cost a lot of money to play the golf courses I'm talking about playing. <laughs> so if you could, would you play like four hours of golf daily? Oh, easily. There was easily. a time when I was playing probably three, four times a week. And that's while I was working full time. You wow. know, so yeah, you know, hands down, man. Yeah. You, you love being out there on the field. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, it's nice just to be out in nature. It's a, I would say you, it's a pl- nice place to relax and think, but it depends what that goes with how you're, how you're playing that day. But it's also good just to network and meet different people. I used to work midnights also, and I was big into networking. When I went to days, I would just like start having conversations with business owners. And it's amazing the stuff that you'll learn from people if you just have conversations. And then people would be surprised that I would give them my number and I'd be like, listen, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with you. We're going to talk when I'm off duty. Yeah. And I, I would actually call him up and just have conversation with people. I have so many contacts right now. <laughs> uh, so that was one of the good things about being on the street, you know, as a street cop. What's some of the legal entrepreneurial ways that cops can make money? Say they're uh, working full time, just off the top of your head, what's some ways that cops could look to make some extra money? Man, let me just say this. And this doesn't just go for cops, this goes for anybody. Mm-hmm. Today, with the internet, if you can't make money, <laughs> I mean, man, there are so many things that you can do. Any, I mean, I mean, you know, we brought it up earlier, earn your leisure. You go on there and you just listen to some of the stories, trucking, real estate. I mean, for now for cops, real estate is something that would be good because yeah. you're driving you know, around it, anyway. Driving around, yeah. And it gives you the time. And that's from both an investment standpoint and as an agent. You know, there's, you know, the merchandise whole thing. You have drop, drop shipping. shipping. Yep. Yeah, you have, man, like I said, it's, 
I mean, it's just so much stuff out there for not just for cops, but for anybody. I think nowadays there's probably more ways to make money if that's something that you're into than ever before. You just have to find something that you have a passion for. That you enjoy. Yeah. Find something you have a passion for and figure out how you can monetize it. And and I give you, okay, we'll stick with the law enforcement. A lot of the, you know, I don't know about the department you work in, but a lot of the guys that I work with were into hunting and fishing. Start a YouTube channel, start a podcast, you know, you can do coaching, you can do whole events where you put on golf trips I mean, or, or fishing trips or something. There's so many different ways to make money nowadays, man. And they're all outside of the traditional nine to five, go to college paths. You know, you just have to find what you're passionate about and just pursue it. I'm high on the coaching because you can do it from anywhere in the world. You could use Zoom and you could use your cell phone and you don't necessarily need a website just yet. You know, like there's, like you said, there's just so many ways. One of the things about entrepreneurs is they always have a lot of projects going. You and I joked about that and laughed. What's your next project? Um, Right now is my next project is my mastermind. And that's what I'm looking to put together. And the mastermind is called the IGY6 Law Enforcement Mastermind. And it's built around, or the focus is on mental health and helping officers cope, identify and cope with the day-to-day stresses of the job. And it's going to be a 90-day mastermind. I'm going to have mental health experts come in. Um, Also, there's going to be peer-to-peer sessions that, you know, folks can attend and that's all going to be virtual. But in addition to that, once a year right now, I'm looking at once a year, we're going to do a in-person retreat for four days where I have five officers bring their spouses or significant others. And we'll work on relationship stuff and continue just, you know, just bonding and mentoring and have some experts come in and talk about marriage and, and things like that. You know, that's what I'm in the process of doing now. I've just put together and my, my whole mastermind gears around a journal that I put together for law enforcement. And the journal is a way, it's the start of it. I, I have what I call my 3D process, document, discuss, and deploy. And the documentation comes from with the journal. Each day that you're working, you write down your most stressful event of that day. You put down your stress levels, how much sleep you get, and things like that. And then each week we get into the mastermind and we discuss everybody's week. And then we started brainstorming and help the other people. And we talk about things that they could do to cope, to overcome those situations when they come up in the future. And then once you get your plan for that week, you go out and you implement it. And that's the next thing that I'm working on, you know, besides the network and trying to grow that. But that's the next big thing. Yeah, I love it, man. I love the idea around it. And I can't wait to promote it. How far out do you think until this mastermind comes together? I'm shooting for September uh, okay. to have uh, is when I would like to, to to launch everything. And it's funny because I just got an email from a a lady who's her husband is actually works in corrections, but he's going to be starting an academy. And she came across a Instagram post that I made, and she reached out and she wanted to know is the journal going to be available even if you can't attend the mastermind because she thought it would be something perfect for her husband to kind of help him identify because he's going through a lot of things now, obviously working corrections. And she realized that the stress that he's being under just in that setting. So she can't imagine what it's going to be like once he get into, you know, this side of law enforcement. So she wanted something that could help him identify what's been going on with him and have some type of coping mechanism. And, and of course, you know, 
the journal will be available. I don't know what the price will be or anything like that, because this is something that I created from scratch. I came up with the whole concept for it, the design, the layout, everything. So I really don't know how it's going to be priced or anything like that at this point, but it won't be no more than than $60. And that depends on if I, the packaging that I put it in, because I may, it may come with more than just a journal. It may be Mm -hmm. like a pen and some other stuff inside. So, but I haven't decided yet. I love it. I love it. I really appreciate you coming on the show. When we had that short conversation on the phone, I just got so excited to have you on. So (laughs) I'm gonna respect your time because I know you're a very busy man. I'm gonna give you my final five, you know, rapid fire questions that I ask everybody. And I like to end on a fun note, so I I keep it fun. How do you define a hero? What's your definition of a hero? Someone that's looking to take care of everybody else and running in when everybody else is running out. Mm, That's the true definition. That's one right there. When stress is at its highest and you're at its lowest, you feel like you might be at a breaking point. How do you save Mm -hmm. yourself? Shut everything down. I just shut it all off. The news, TV, social media, telephones. Shut it down. Get me a cup of tea. And just chill, sit on the front porch and just relax. I love it. So you get quiet, you get still. Yep. Yep. Because that's when I think. Yeah. A lot of people can't stand that time thinking inside inside (laughs) their heads. But but that's how you save yourself. How do you show love to yourself? Because I see that you obviously keep yourself, you were a collegiate athlete, you kept yourself in shape your whole career. And you're still in shape. (laughs) You're still still in pretty good shape right now for, for your age. Yeah. For your age. How do you show love to yourself? How do you just take care stay of busy, man. For me, it's just seeing my kids doing and achieving the things that we hope that they would achieve. For me, that brings me self-satisfaction to see that they're buying their houses now, that they're in their careers now. They're both starting their careers. One's a, a lawyer and the other's, you know, she just got her job with the defense department in DC, both college graduates. One's married now. For me, that brings me joy and satisfaction. You know they're going to be all right. Yep. 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 That gives me a huge peace of mind to know that when my wife and I are gone, that they will be able to take care of themselves. And what's your greatest strength? What's your power? My ability to read people. Your ability to read people. You play cards at all? You play poker? Nope. Never play. (laughs) (laughs) Because that ability to read people comes in very handy. uh, Yeah. Well, I was a hostage negotiator and I think that's where it comes from. Okay. Uh, a lot of the training that I got as a negotiator. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Yeah, that's cool. And if you had a comic superpower, what would that superpower be? Time travel. Time travel. I would want to be able to snap my fingers and travel through time. <laughs> would you uh would you go forward or would you go back? Both. Both. Go both. Yeah, I do it all. <laughs> I'll do it all. I'll be all over the place, man. Every era, every decade, every century, you think you can name it, I'll be there. <laughs> going back is always dangerous because you're tempted to change something, you know, mm-hmm. and then going forward, you might see something you don't like. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think that would be so interesting to me, though, you know, just to be able to do that and just to sit and observe. Like you say, you don't want to disturb anything. You know, because you don't want to throw nothing off, but just to see what everything was back then or what's ahead, you know, that would be interesting to me. So a lot of people would would be tempted to like save MLK or save Malcolm X. And just by doing that, you never know the ripple effects that that one act could have, you know, that 
you never know. Like you well, can destroy, go, you can destroy the to, entire world. Yeah, it goes back to what we said earlier, though. Everything happens for a reason, good, yep. bad, or otherwise. Yep. So if it was it was meant for those gentlemen and those people, unfortunately for their lives to end the way they did, because there was something else to come from that. Everything happens for a reason. Tony, I really appreciate your time. It was a fun conversation. I, I appreciate talking with you. I, I learned a lot. Likewise, man. I'm, I'm so glad I had this opportunity to come on and take part on your show. I'm extremely happy to have you as part of the network. I'm looking forward to working with you and helping you grow your show, growing this network, and just keep continued success to you, man. And uh, just keep grinding, keep hustling, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, we all got that one goal just to to make everything a little bit better. Yeah, I look up to you as a, as a mentor, just so that you know that sincerely from my heart. And if people want to find you on Instagram or find the podcast, the podcast is easy. It's called the Off Duty Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can just go to the want, off. Yeah. Go ahead. And if they want to find you on Instagram or anywhere else, how would they find you? Yeah, the Off Duty Podcast. If you just Google it, everything comes up. Or you can right. go to yeah, yeah. You can just go to the Off Duty and I'll get links out to all the social media from there. That's probably the easiest way because you can access some other stuff while you're on the site, while you're there. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Tony. Thank you Likewise, very much. Likewise, Dave. All right, man. Take care and stay safe out there, bro. Thank you, too. Be well. All right, now. All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story, and I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at David Leith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.